First of all, I'd like to just make a d disclaimer that um, Brene and I are not experts at what we do. Um, basically, it's what we've, we've experienced amongst ourselves and what we want to share and just the, the material and the things that we've read. We just want to share it with you. Um, if you find anything that may be wrong or offensive or anything, we ask for your forgiveness and ask for your prayers greatly, please. And I'll turn it over to Renee. May I sit? Okay. First for our introduction. So we're going to talk about the five love languages. And I hear no feedback. Are you guys hearing this? Okay, can we? So we all think as we grow up, we're, we all think we know about love. We are taught from little children about love. We, um, we have our best examples, our parents, those of us who have parents, that our parents love each other. They have parents. Our grandparents love us as little children. Um, Jesus used an example in the Bible about how children are to be loved and they're be, to be cherished. His disciples tried to send the children away, but Jesus said, no, let the little children come. So when we're children, we need this love. And it's been proven scientifically and what, however else that little children need love to grow. There was that experiment in Germany where they left some babies in cribs and some babies were held and the ones that were left in cribs um, didn't grow. And the little ones that were held and rocked, they grew and they flourished. Um, we have stories that, we're, that we tell our children when they're little. Um, we start out with nursery rhymes. And um, then we get into fairy tales. And then there the uh, Cinderella stories and the Snow White stories. And those are ingrained in us. We go to Sunday school and we hear love stories, like in Genesis 24, starting in verse 63. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at eventime. And he lifted up his eyes, and he saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. And she had said unto her servant, What man is that that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that had done. And Isaac brought her into his, mo his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. And he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Stories like that are told to our children in Sunday school. I mean, they were told to us. These are, the, these are the rocks and the foundations that we grow up with. This is ingrained in each and every one of us. Society encourages love. We go through songs. I remember my dad singing those goofy songs about um, one was, I love you a bushel and a peck, a bushel and a peck, and a hug around the neck. And um, then there was, um, in my teenage days, it was the Beatles, and I love you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And nowadays, if you get past what they call instrument, <coughs> and the instrument part of the music, there are underlying themes of love in there. People really do want to be loved. Um, the def in the definition of love, which I, I 
always hated that forms when they quoted the definition. But um, <laughs> when you um, tell somebody you love them, or when you tell somebody you love your cat, or you tell somebody that you love the dinner, or we use the word love in so many different ways. The, um, the word love in the Bible, in the Greek and the Hebrew, has different words that we interchange into we're using love. And we as Americans, you know, our, our definition of love means so many different things. The French have several different words for love. And then, you know, and you can go into the different languages. But then, okay, just in, in the English, there's the British, there's the Australians, there's the people from New York, there's the people from Virginia, there's the people from British Columbia who's, who don't say A as much as the Eastern Canadians. And we all have our, our little dialects of the same language. And that's where we want to start talking about. We use the same vocabulary, the same, um, the way you spell the word is the same. But when it comes down to what you mean by that word, that's where it takes a little effort. Sometimes it takes more effort than other times. Okay, John. What we want to talk about is the whole idea and the aspect of love. Love is a lot of times you will do a lot of things for love. And I, and I, as I think as a father, what, what I wouldn't do for my, my children, and you know, at any point in time I would tell them, I says, I love you very much. And if it ever came down to the point where I would, I would do something for you, if it was your, a choice between your life and my life, there's no question. I would sacrifice my life as a father for you. And I try and impress that upon my children. So it's, it's amazing what we will do for love. And as we look real quick, it, the, the things that, you know, that we, we would climb mountains, we would cross seas, we would go across deserts. Um, we would, the things that we would endure for the sake of love. And, and the same is in reverse. You know, if, if we weren't loved, there's that extra edge that we wouldn't have that we don't have, that we don't want to carry on, that what am I doing this for? I'm just doing this for nothing. So you kind of just end up stopping and saying, you know, I'm not going any farther. But love is an amazing power. And love, it's, and, and, and you think of in, in, in ancient history that they talk about, <clears throat> when they talk about, you know, the, the cities that were built for a queen or, or, or some of the history of knowledge that, you know, cities and, and towns were conquered for the love of a queen, or, or and just you sit back and amazed at, at the power of love and what we'll do and what the extent it will go to. Um, inside each one of us, um, if we, if I can describe it, is is a, is a kind of a, a love, an emotional love tank, that and each one uh, probably as we sit here now would say, okay, my emotional love tank right now is. Um, at three, I just don't really too, feel too loved. I'm just not, not really caring. One, on a scale one to ten, sorry. <clears throat> that we base it on a scale one to ten. 
one being, or zero being nothing empty, and ten being full, what we would like to do and like to always have would probably be on a scale of maybe eight, nine, or ten. Would make us feel quite loved, quite comfortable. It's a sense, not in a, in, in a way of a euphoric love, but a love that would, would take and, and I feel good, I feel secure about myself. And a little bit about the, the love, the, the assurance that we would have. Um, and marriage is designed um, to, 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 to meet these intimacies and these, these different loves that we have. Word affirmation. This is one of... We're, we're going to give you a summary of this book. This is Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. This, um, just one of the tools in a tool chest. There's the instruction manual, but then there's the tools. And some of the tools have to have their own little manuals. So this one is helping us with these five languages of love. And it starts out with number one is word affirmation. The object of love is not getting something you want, but doing something for the well-being of the one you love. It is a fact, however, that when we receive affirming words, we are far more likely to be motivated and to reciprocate. When someone tells us something that makes us want to love that person more. Right now, you have that little piece of paper, a little scrap piece of paper. I would like you to write down a word or something that your spouse or someone said to you in the last, the last memorable thing. And whether it was two minutes ago walking up the hill or, you know, three weeks ago, two years ago, something that someone said to you that you really felt loved. And even if it was your husband saying, I love you, or your wife saying, I love you, or your wife saying, I folded your shirts for you for camp, can you think of something and write it down quick on that little piece of paper about something that someone said to you? They talked this morning about how you're supposed to put those little encouraging words in the box for, for staff or whoever. These are some of the kind of things that the more you put them out in front of you, the more you use them, the more you appreciate them, and the more you can use them, and the easier it gets after a while. On the back of that paper, I would like you to write, if you can, something that you wish they would say to you. Cover it up and say something that you wish that they would say to you, even if you write it in code or whatever, or draw a picture. <laughs> it's like, this is something that they haven't said in a really long time, and I wish they would say this to me. I'll, I'll talk. You can still write. Um, with verbal encouragement, we are trying to communicate. We want to know, we want to let the person know that we, we know that they're there and that we care about them. And with you, and, um, I can do anything, but I can also help you. 
We're trying to show that we believe in this person and their abilities, and we're giving them credit and praise. Kind words if you develop, help to develop an intimate relationship. We know to each other's desire, we get to know each other's desires. And if we wish to love each other, we need to know what the person wants. Then there's humble words. Humble words are when you make a request of your spouse. You are affirming his or her abilities. You are, in essence, indicating that she has something that you can do something that is meaningful and worthwhile for you. When you, however, make demands, you become not a lover but a tyrant. When you ask someone to do something for you, you affirm that they have the ability to actually do this. When you demand something, then you are pushing and shoving and, and you are looking out for your own good. If you ask your husband to take out the garbage, you know he can get up, walk, and he can grab that garbage bag or, and take it out to the garbage can, and you know that he has the ability and the knowledge to open up the, garbage, the lid, put the thing in, and shut the lid and come back in. And you, when you demand it, that gives him the sense that... I didn't know I was supposed to take out the garbage. And yes, I'll get around to it. But if you ask him to take out the garbage, he knows that I want him to take out the garbage. And he knows that I will get happy if he takes out the garbage. Therefore, he is not taking the garbage out to clean up the house. He is taking the garbage out to make me happy. Therefore, he is doing... Oh, I skipped over. That's kind of the act of love, but in, in the words you say and how you say it, you have to think how the other person looks at it. Basically, for me, if, if I would go out and take out the garbage and then come back in, and she would say to me, John, thank you very much for taking out the garbage. I really appreciate that. You know, things don't smell as bad anymore. Or, but it's, it's to me, I'm going, oh, good. I did something successful. And I'm... I'm kind of the, the, the person of, af, you know, the af, words of affirmation to me speak to me. And there's, there's a number of things around the house that are not done that I've started. And I've, I've tried to, to explain to her sometimes that, you know, just give me a little words of encouragement. Let me, let me just a little bit more tell me, hey, thank you for the... And she's been doing that to me. And I'm going, oh, okay, I feel good about it. And, and a sense of good in myself that, yeah... Okay, it's an accomplishment that I'm getting recognized for, and it's making me feel good. So, okay, well, what can I do next to get the next one? And it's just, it, and, it, and it, it seems like to me it's been a motivating factor to get me to do the next one. Okay, or even to, you know, a, a quick checklist on the fridge is, you know, um, take out the garbage, yeah. Um, uh, vacuum the, the, the floor, okay, uh, yeah, okay, but... Once I've done these things, it's like she's spoken back to me saying, thank you for doing those. I really appreciate that. And I'm going, yeah, okay, next. Okay, look, what can I do to make her happy and make her feel good about it? And sometimes we can act like little puppies and just, you know, shake their heads and they get happy. This is what we want to live with, though. We want to live with happy puppies. We don't want to live with the miserable puppies. And the 
um, one of the things in the in the books is an apple a day keeps the doctor away, but maybe a compliment a day keeps the counselor away. And it's something that can be done really easy. Another thing they talk about is quality time. Um, the central aspect of quality time is togetherness. And I don't mean in proximity. Togetherness has to do with the focused attention. When a father's sitting on the floor rolling the ball to his two-year-old, his attention is not focused on the ball but on the child. And for a brief moment, how, however long it lasts, they are together. Now, this is what, uh, what a lot of wives want their husbands to know. Sitting and watching TV together is not together time. That doesn't count. We need to talk to each other. We need to, um, and sometimes it's not so much sitting at the kitchen table looking across from each other talking. We can talk and walk. We can go for a walk. We can get away from the kids, get away from the distractions, and walk and, and actually focus on a conversation. Um, we can we can go play goofy golf. We can go weed the garden. We can, that's Dave. Um, we can do other things. We can paint the garage together, but we're together, and it gives us time to do things and to focus on each other, to focus not so much on that physical person being there, but on their emotional needs. Do we, um, oh, that's the other one. Um, back on track for quality time it not that long ago what happened is um i says how about we tomorrow morning how about we just get up about 7 seven thirty? i've got breakfast with the guys at, at about 8 30 7 o'clock let's just go you know uh grab a cup of coffee and just go for a walk and um yeah, about three blocks away is there's a park so and a kind of a walkway that which we can walk and uh, she got all excited about it and i didn't think of it and I'm going, okay, and this is maybe about three or four weeks ago. So it, it, we were walking, and it, we're t just walking and talking, and, and it seemed like it was, a, it was a good time to talk about the family structure, the family things that were going on, getting ready for camp. And it was just a number of things, like I can't really remember or, or particularly what our conversation in detail was about, but I know it was about the family and about us and the things that were important to us that we shared. I shared my views. She shared her views. And... And when um, we started getting, when I got into the language of love, and I, I told her the other night, I says, you know what? That's exactly what happened, wasn't it? She says, it just, I says, you didn't care what we talked about. You didn't care what we shared. You didn't care what, but it was just the, the, the two of us, we spent time together. And um, I can think of a couple of months ago where we, we just went out for breakfast, and we just, the two of us, no kids, just us, two of us. Three, three or four weeks ago, it was going out for a walk, just the two of us, no kids, just by ourselves. It was quality time one-on-one. -on -one. Like I say, I can't remember what we talked about, what we shared or what, but it was just, it felt good. And I, I'm going, it, it was like the other night, like I said, it, it, it's amazing. I, it, it just clicked. This is, that's what we were doing, just spending good quality time for, together. Your, your conversation doesn't really have to be... Um, you know, it, it can be about anything. There's nothing in particular. Um, and just the words that we talk about, going back again, uh, some of the things we're talking about, the different, the, the different things, the, the 
categories, the classifications we're talking about, they, they kind of cross each other or they kind of blend into, um, you can't really maybe separate the two, but they cross over. Um, a lot of times, you know, the, the quality of the, the activity that we do is just, you know, it could be just a one-on-one -on -one time together, um, just, just, you know, sharing. Nothing really important, but just a quality time, nobody else around, no friends, no, just one-on-one, -on -one. just one-on-one -on -one quality time. What that really kind of says to you is that he really cares. He really thinks about me. And isn't that what we all kind of really want? Um, what, what we talked about and shared a little bit, out, even in the, the topic on our forum this, this morning, we talked about the whole idea of me, you know, I, it's, I was thinking, I was speaking to Renee about the whole idea of her being away from the kitchen and not cooking and not doing that. That wasn't what she wanted. It, it was, uh, to me, I was, I was, it was an act of, of service that I was providing for her that she didn't have to really do and kind of give her a day off. And I totally missed the whole idea of what I was trying to speak to her. Now here I think, it, well, I'm doing her something, a good and honorable favor. And it, no, she didn't see it that way. And, and I didn't see it that way myself. I was, I was just being a nice guy about it. No, 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 it's not. It's, it didn't speak to her. Okay, we'll go on. Um, receiving gifts is another one. People, there are people out there that were taught as young children that receiving gifts is really important and it's really special. To them, that means that they are loved, they're thought about. When someone is somewhere else in, in, um, at the grocery store and they bring home a pack of gum, this mother is teaching this child that she thought about this child at the store and she bought them something. This child is going to grow up and end up to be your spouse. This spouse is going to think that when you are out and about, if you bring home something, whether it's flowers or a, a pack of gum, or I know John likes these special cough drops, um, they know that I was thinking of them, of him, during the day when I was out doing something else. This is not something that your spouse picks out of the air and says, I think I really want flowers, and from now on, you have to buy me flowers here and there. Your spouse was brought up with this teaching. And you can't just tell your spouse, you are wrong, and that's not right, and that's greedy, and that's selfish, and we don't have the money to do that. You, your spouse will not learn from that. Your spouse grew up with this. You now have to deal with this. And do you want a happy spouse? Um, there's one place where it talks about, you know, oh, I keep jumping ahead. I want to tell you all this other stuff, but I'm supposed to wait until I get to that point. Um, so, and receiving gifts, um, some people think that it's really important to um, to have an expensive gift. But if your your budget doesn't have expenses in it, then what you really need to do is let your spouse know that you did something that caused time and 
energy and thoughtfulness. If you have this really low budget, uh, like ours, well, if John makes something or if he goes out of his way to save up stuff, I, you know, I get so excited. If he goes off to a business meeting and stuff, he comes home with the ink pen. He doesn't know that. I get so happy when I get that ink pen <laughs> because that that really makes me happy. It means that you know he was he was given that ink pen at that seminar that he thinks is so boring or those those safety meetings he gets to go to, uh, and he brings home the ink pen and says, "Yeah, I got this." Or sometimes he brings home the leftovers of the of the luncheon. This is cool, <laughs> but but he doesn't know that unless I tell him. We did not take mind reading 101, and he doesn't know what I am thinking. I have to let him know. I have to let him know when my love tank is at zero and it needs a couple of points, and I have to let him know because he is, it's not he's dumb. He just doesn't know, and how else is he supposed to know? I can't have my brother come over and tell him. I can't have his mother tell him. Because she thinks the same way as he did. That's why he is the way he is. <laughs> and <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Um, in case you're listening. <laughs> but that's the way my, that's, my children are the product of their environment also. I mean, there is part, part of us are a product of our environment. And, uh, and that's... You know, mothers tell their kids stuff, and it's okay. You're, and you don't think that's bad, but so it's okay to tell your spouse also. It's not bad to tell your spouse what you want and what you need. When we look at the whole idea of receiving gifts, um, like a lot of times it breaks down to the the point of of gifts, gifts and money, or also the possibility of gifts of oneself. Uh, a lot of times it's just you know us being there in, in presence with them. Um, physical presence is, in, especially in the time of crisis, um, the, the whole idea that, that you know, that let's say, uh, for example, Renee's out a, or she's in the hospital having a baby. Um, I'm there. How you doing, honey? Uh, you okay? Good. Okay, the baby's fine. Okay, see you later. I got to go. I got a baseball game with the boys. I'll see you later. Okay, bye. Uh, it's like, hold it. I've just missed something totally, you know. You know, it's not the fact that I want to go share the whole idea that, hey, I'm a father and, and with the guys. It's just that my whole idea is that I'm spending time with the guys and not her. I should be spending time with her. It's a gift to myself that, um, I, and I, I kind of look back and say, you know, I, I don't hang out, uh, hang out with the guys at work a lot. I don't, you know, go out drinking or socializing with them. It's most of my time is spent with my wife, and, and I, and I, I enjoy that. I, I, I love doing that to her. And I know that, like I say, again, the whole idea uh, of the gift of myself being there. Uh, gift of myself. Okay. <laughs> I know sometimes it's not a gift, but <laughs> but it's, you know, just, just being there and, and being present and, and making that simple choice. Is, it's just, you know, just being there. Number four is, is really close to number three. Number three was um, receiving gifts. Number four is the act of service, which is like the gift of yourself, the gift of doing things for the other person. Um, 
says what we do for each other before marriage is no indication what we will do after marriage. And isn't that something we, we need to watch out for? How did we treat our spouse when we were, oh, before we were engaged? How about just during the engagement? And um, this is terrible having you sit here, Landon. <laughs> Like, I keep thinking, <laughs> you know, this is really good, but you better write down some of those things that you're doing now because in five years you need to do those same things. Those things mean mean something, and they're special, and they do last a lifetime. And the others of us who have been married for a while, we need to stop and, and take a break and think. And during your walks and your little times of, of quiet times and, and talking, if you go back to the days, go back to the days of in love. You know, um, in the book, it has a whole chapter of this in love stuff, the part where, where you do become engaged, and the part where um, George Friend used to talk about it as, as walking around with cow eyes or something, you know, oh, um, headlights in the eyes and just, you know, the starry gaze and everything is wonderful and nice. Well, do you ever go back to those days? Do you and your spouse take time to go back to those days? And when you do that, do you do you think of what you did and how you did it and try to do some of those same, same things over and over again? Try to do some of those things now to see what what reaction you get from your spouse. Um, acts of service require thought, planning, time, and effort. And if it's done with a positive spirit, they're interested, or they're intended for expressions of love. Requests give directions, and love gives, um, but demands stop the flow of love. When you do acts of service, Okay, we'll go back to um, our example in the form, uh, or in the book. It says how we, um, my mother-in-law, and Sunday lunch. To me, I had to get over that part where I, um, I didn't, I was being, I thought, I was being selfish, wanting John and the kids home by myself. And... To get over that, I had to turn around and tell myself I was doing an act of service to John. And I can go to his mom's for lunch. And I can be happy because I know this is going to make him happy. I know this is going to make his mom happy. And I don't have to cook. But I, I, I can think of it in a different way. And I can turn this around so that I can be happy both going to lunch at my mother-in-law's and knowing that makes him happy. That puts points in his love tank. And the more points I have in his love tank, the better off I am. The more power he has to love me back. And if I can get over, and I, I just looked at it as being a little selfish, and but I can turn around and do it out of love. That's a choice I have. That's something I choose to do. 
And the act of love is, is, is a choice. I choose every morning to get up out of bed. I choose every morning to put on my real clothes and not stay in my pajamas all day. Although there's days I choose to stay in my pajamas all day. These are choices. Love is a choice, too. Loving our husbands is a choice. And we get to do that every day. Uh, and the way I see it is you have two choices. You either, you know, um, oh, I had it written down here. Wait, let me get it right. Okay, so you either, if, you, if your marriage is bad, you both have empty love tanks, you just jump ship. Or you can choose to burn the ship. There's a story back and the, when the colonial people came over from England that when they landed, they burned the ship. They took it apart and they burned things. That meant they're there to stay. They're in it for the long haul. There's no going back. I know when we had family troubles and, um, and we had to tell our kids that their aunt and uncle were divorced, and the kids, you know, just look at you, and then they wonder. You know stuff is happening in their heads, and you know they're wondering. But we take them, and we sit them down, and we tell them, this is not in our vocabulary. And this is something we will not choose to do. And this is something that we have to tell ourselves every day. And it's not just the kids, and it's not just show, and it's not just whoever we're out to impress. This is something that we get to choose to do. And God gives us that freedom. In creating us individually and specially, he gives us this freedom to have this choice. And as, as we choose to do what God wants us to do, then it's a freedom. And it's a wonderful freedom. And it's a wonderful choice. And then to, to think you're doing this for somebody else and this act of service that you're doing for someone else is going to make them love you more. This is, this is an awesome thing to stop and think about and to actually to be able to do something about it. What we talked about again in, the, in our example we gave this morning, what I was looking... And, and thinking that Renee's love language was was an act of service. So the whole idea of just not, hey, you're not cooking, didn't have to cook. So lunch, would, I was like, hey, that's a great idea. Plus that, I get a real good lunch out of my mom and dad's, but that's okay. But there again, you know, the whole idea was, and I wasn't understanding it. That wasn't her love language. That wasn't what she was, was needed um, that, that she would respond to. So and it, I, you know, again, like I'm going, oh, you know, turn around, read the book. Oh, oh, that's not what. Yeah, that's right. And going back again, it's it's the quality of time that I should be spending with her. Um, do you understand when I, the request requests give direction to love, but demand stop the flow of love? Do you understand that? Does it make sense to you? When I request, like if I request something of Renee, you know, it's. I request it, and, you know, maybe several times or what, but then it's an end to it. I know about it. I know what she's trying to tell me. But if she were to sit there every day and demand it, says, you know, 
you should take the garbage out. You know, you really should take the garbage out. You really need to take the garbage out. Why aren't you taking <laughs> Forget it. I'll take the garbage out. <laughs> she's demanding it every day. But, it, you know, yeah, I see the guy. I look down, the gar- garbage is full. Yeah, I should take it out. It's an act of service. I know she's going to want me, you know. It's not that I, I'm, I'm doing it so I can stop her demanding me from doing it. But I'll turn around and do it. And, and, and I think I've done it more recently and more often than what I normally do. <laughs> but I do it because, yeah, it's good. And she really, that's, you know, that's part of what she is happy about, me taking the garbage out. So I'll do it. Um, right now, if you could... Um, Take and list three to four different things on the piece of paper which we've given you that um, would make you feel loved every day. Just take a few minutes right now and just, you know, what kind of act of service, if you're an act of service person that would speak to you that your spouse would do for you that would fill up your love tank, your emotional love tank. We'll let you work on that later. Um, the fifth language of love is physical touch. And physical touch is also a powerful vehicle for communicating marital love. Holding hands, kissing, embracing, and in sexual intercourse are, are all ways of communicating emotional love to one's spouse. Physical touch can make or break a relationship. It can communicate hate or love. In, in the same way that you would you would touch a person in a gentle way, you're communicating love, that you're compassionate about them and how you touch them, how you, 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 you're just, whether it's a nice, soft, holding hands, um, and the, the other end of it, hate, is obviously, would be a physical slap. It's a touch. It's a, a harsh, abrasive touch, but it's a touch. In the same way you're communicating love, well, you can communicate hate in a physical touch. Um, a lot of times, the, the, uh, the body itself is for touching. It, 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 it's, it's a complex um, organism. And the, the same, the same um, feelings, the receptors that you have on your fingertips, the nerve endings in that, are, are much more defined or much more sensitive on your fingertips than maybe on the back of your shoulder blade or back behind your shoulder or what. It's, it's different. It's, and the, so where you would touch somebody, where, where, whether I'd be, if I would, would, would touch Renee's head or her hand or, or, or the back of her head, um, I know, and you know, if somebody else washes my hair, that feels good. I like it, and, and it feels really good. Just, Renee doesn't wash my hair. I usually do it myself. <laughs> But it, it does feel good. I like it. Or whether, you know, I crest the back of her neck or, 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 or her shoulders or run my, you know. Go ahead. Ask Renee. Massage. <laughs> Foot massage. She loves her feet. She loves for me to, to, to massage her feet. In that same way, the physical touch, I am communicating love to her. That I, I care, you know, why would I want to, you know, rub her stinky feet? No, they're not. 
You know what? One time he came, you know, I, I always really loved when he did my, my foot massages. And I thought it was the foot massage that I really, really loved. And then he gave me a coupon to have a massage. And I thought, oh, okay. That wasn't half as good. I mean, yeah, it, it got the muscles working and it, it massaged the muscles and the blood flowing. Okay, good. Oh, fine. Thank you very much. Okay. Here's my coupon, and thank you very much. But it wasn't close to the massages that he gave. And so then I got to thinking, it's not the massage. It's the time. He, he spent time with me while he, while he does my feet. He, he thinks about it. I know he thinks about it beforehand because he says, I got some new, this, this lotion caught my eye, and I was at the store, and, and I bought this new lotion. I know, he was thinking of me all day. That's cool. So a lot of the times, yes, the physical touch. Um, and again, at the same time, um, the, uh, the body and the physical, the body is for, for touching. Um, crisis and physical touch. A lot of times, if there's such a crisis, especially in the way if, if, if somebody um, that's close to us, um, a mother or a father's passed away, um, a physical embrace uh, communicates communicates love. Um, it communicates that that the we need that touch. Um, one of our children, um, in the in the sense of crisis, I we talked about it the other day. Um, she does not want to be touched. It's just like, you know, keep your space for me. And a couple of years ago, I really didn't understand that. And to her, that was not her her. Her, uh, not her strength, but it, it wasn't her, um, yeah, it wasn't her love language. Thank you, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> it wasn't her love language that, you know, was, and she pushed me away, and I felt hurt about it, and I'm going, why is she doing that? And it didn't make sense to me at the time, because I felt, you know, she doesn't love me, she doesn't care, but she does, she loves her. And there was a time that, yeah, that we did, I did come back, and I did hold her, and I did embrace her, and we cried. Um, and the, the, the whole idea of, of crisis and physical touch, it's important in what we do. This January, my, my mom passed away. And John was out in Saskatchewan. He had, to, he had to work. And because my mom had been on the brink so many times, we didn't know if she was going to bounce back or this really was the end. And by the time we found out it, it, this really is the end, um, there was no time for him to get on the plane and come home. So my son Johnny, he stepped up, and I needed somebody to hold me. My my family had all their families around them, and um, and especially my sisters with their husbands. Just there was a void there, and I was really glad that Johnny was there, and he stepped up and held me. But as I, I as I read that old blurb in the book about needing somebody there in a time of crisis and needing somebody to hold you, yes, that is really really important, and it's um, it's more important than than the guy would imagine, and and more important than you would imagine until you actually have to go through it, and even to the point where. The minute before my son held me, I didn't think I needed it. But 
once I was in his arms, then it made it. Then the reality hit that, yes, this is what I need. And, yes, you need to be there for your spouse. A lot of times the, the different languages that we speak, there's a lot of things that may go back and forth. And even what Renee, Renee shared um, is that they cross over. And some of them you, you, you have a hard time defining whether you're uh, a, a touch person, uh, a, a person of affirmation, a person of gifts is what your love language is. And um, basically, um, I have some final notes. Um, discovering your, your primary love language. Discovering your primary lo love language of your spouse is essential if you are to keep his or her emotional love tank full. But first, let's make sure that you know your own love language. Um, most sexual problems in marriage have little to do with physical technique, but everything to do with meeting the emotional needs. What three questions that what we'd like you to answer um, is, is what is your primary love language? What makes you feel most loved by your spouse? What do you desire above all else? Ask the question, what have I to offer? Uh, 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 what have I often, sorry, let me start that again. Ask the question, what have I often requested of my spouse? Another way to discover your primary love language is to examine what you do or say to express your love to your spouse. Spend some time writing down what you think is your primary love language. Then list the four, um, four other ones. Out of the five, sit down and, and list, take a primary one, which you think is your primary one, and then take the other four and list them in order of what you think their priority to you. Um, we're not asking you to do this right this minute. No, <laughs> we have handouts for you, okay? And but it would, it's just helpful to sit down and think, and to and to provoke thought. Um, like I said, we didn't take um, mind language one one, and I don't think anybody else in here did, or else I'd be at their form. But we need to express ourselves to each other. And holding back and assuming that he's going to know what to do next doesn't work. You need to let him, let him or her know what what you need. Okay. And three ways to discover your primary love language: What does your spouse do or or fail to do that hurts you most deeply? The opposite of what hurt what hurts you most is probably your own love language. What have you? most often requested of your spouse, again, um, the think you, <laughs> the think you have, <laughs> think, thing, I'm sorry, yeah, okay, <laughs> I'm not getting it, I apologize, <laughs> the thing you have most often requested is most likely the thing that would, would make you feel most love. Number three, in what way do you do you regularly express love to your spouse? Your method of expressing love may be an indication of what you will also make you feel loved. And remember, love is a choice. And love 
does not erase the past, but it makes a difference for the future. Um, meeting my spouse's need for love is a choice that I will make each day. If I know their primary love language and choose to speak it, their deepest emotions will be the, the deepest emotional needs will be met, and they will feel secure in their love. Um, when an action doesn't come naturally to you, that is the greatest thing and the greatest way of expressing love. Um, before we kind of wrap up real quick here, what we've done um, is we have a, um, a questionnaire for the men and a questionnaire for the women. Basically, sitting down, take some time today and go through it. Um, what you'll do is you have a choice, two choices, um, an A or a B or an A and a C or a D and an A, whatever. And basically what this is doing is this is separating what you, th you know, making a choice and a priority one over the other. And when you add them all up, you'll, you'll take all the A's, all, all the B's, all the C's and all the D's, and you'll add them all up. And the ones that you, like, score the highest number in are probably and most likely those that are, are your, your love language. Um, like I say, like some, you know, you may have, you know, but this is kind of making a separation. So what we do as you're leaving, we'll take and we'll hand them out to you, um, and you can assess them. If at any point in time this week you want to stop by and talk to us or something, feel free to do so. And again, most of the things that we've, we've done or talked about this morning are, are from Gary, Dr. Gary Chapman's book, um, Five Languages of Love. Um, excellent book, um, you know, if you pick it up, um, I say we're keeping it as a as a major uh, tool in our chest of of, of tools and, and marriage tools. And my last comment comes from Saint John thirteen, verses thirty four and thirty five. A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples and that ye have love one for another. We all, there's one other thing someone said once that I try to remember is um, remember who your father-in-law is. If you married a child of God, if you're married to a child of God, you have a father-in-law you're responsible to. Thank you for coming, and I will have the, uh, the ladies, and you will have the men, right? It changed.
whether it's quality time, acts of service, words of affirmation, you know, it, it really does play a huge role in their lives as well as yours. A majority of the time, too, is what we have as, as our love languages, a lot of the times is passed on to the next generation. And it's, there's a good chance that they'll have the same love languages. Anybody else? Any other questions? Thank the Lord and you for your time, and we really appreciate. Thank you.